the special Thursday edition. At least the Thursday games. We're taping on Tuesday here in Las Vegas with the full house. Wise guy round table to my left, Maddie Holt, usintegrity.com. To my right, Steve Fezzik with non sequiturs. <laughs> left and right, I'm RJ Bell. Now, I usually don't do the Thursday games, but it's Thanksgiving, so we're going to do a special standalone pod for that. Let's get started. First game. Steve, we'll let you kind of redeem yourself. You can read the read the game and just do it in your perfect, you know, that broadcaster's way that you have about it. Houston at Detroit. Houston is the favorite, minus two and a half to minus three. Split line, total 51 and a half. Of course, Houston's the favorite. Here's my question on this game. Open question. Houston is one of those teams. Houston, Atlanta, uh, Chargers. The, the record doesn't seem to matter. Denver, they're getting a lot of respect. Now, varying degrees, Denver was kind of falling off in the respect. But the question is this. Is Houston deserving of that? And can we say that that three games at the beginning of the year against a Baltimore team that was playing really well, you know, then Kansas City was before that, and then Pittsburgh, who now looks like as good as any team, that is a gauntlet. I think with Baltimore, it's hard to say they're a top three team now, but there was a time you could have said there was the three best teams in football. Do we just dismiss everything that came after it? Because they haven't been very good after it. Thoughts? Yeah, three and four after and lost the overtime game against Tennessee. So you can make the case that Houston— yeah, you, lo- you win games, you lose games, and sure. then you either win or you lose. Sure. So I think you can make the case that Houston's been just about a 500 team since those first three games. And then the question is, can we completely dismiss the fact they got their doors blown off those first three games? I don't think we can completely I, dismiss it. I would make it. the case the market has treated Houston as better than an average team for much of the season. Right? I mean, Tennessee, that game was, what was the line in that game? Three or something? Three and a half? Six? Baltimore? Oh, no, no. I meant, the, the, I'm sorry, the Tennessee-Houston game. Oh. Close was three and a half. Yeah. So they were saying this was an undefeated at the time Tennessee team. And they were saying Houston's almost as good. All right? Yep. So, I don't know. I guess my, my question to you is, how do you handle when a team's stats are so much better than their record because I I think with Houston that's been the case and it's tricky and at some point motivation becomes into it and is there a flaw in their game because for a long time the Atlanta Falcon stats were always better than their record both against the spread and straight up and I'd say it's still the case right this year as much as any for Atlanta yeah why are their stats so good and their record so bad um and at some point, you just can't go by the pure stats because if you did with the Atlanta Falcons, you just would lose every week. And so at some point, you have to figure out or at least try to identify what is the the systematic flaw in this team that continues to have them uh, in their shortcomings. And, you know, it's sometimes it's trickier to figure out. And, of course, with Houston, you had a coaching change midseason, uh, which changed a lot of the schemes and everything else. I would make the case that – the wise guys keep betting those teams. I mean, when there's a statistical mm-hmm. team that has a big stats edge uh, better than the record, it, that team seems to get bet every week. And lose. And lose a lot. Yeah. I think maybe your thought on motivation. Uh, Houston plays a Patriots team 
it's against Belichick. It's against, you know, that team that's caused them so much trouble. They perk up. Against this Detroit team, at, you know, now they're on the road in Thanksgiving. How much do we account for these guys wish they were home? Do they? The last thing they want to do when they have a lost season is play on the road on, on a short week on Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, it's a great point. And remember, we got our 1,000-mile trend, 850-mile trend, that if you're the road team on a Thursday, you cover a little less than 40% of the time if you travel over 850 miles. So I didn't get out my um, map of the U.S., but Houston to Detroit is over 850 miles. And this isn't a Thursday night game. This is a Thursday morning game. This is a 9.30 Pacific time start, so I can make the case all the more disadvantageous for the team that's traveling, right? Mackenzie, with our analysis, and when Steve says our, I, I find that fascinating, but in that analysis that we did, you and I, was Thursday blended into that? Uh, I'm sorry, Thursday Thanksgiving? Yes. Okay, can you pull that out, the Thursday Thanksgiving games out, and see how that number, those numbers look? Sure. All right. So, do we, Matt, we're not saying you had him last week, but you remember in The Godfather, because you've got to answer for Santino, Carlo. You've got to answer for the lines. What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> and I I mean, they, they've only scored more than 21 points once in their last four games, and that was against the Washington football team. Something's going on with this offense. And I know they've had some banged up guys in the backfield. DeAndre Swift missed the game. But but still, this team wasn't supposed to be counting on DeAndre Swift or, you know, 55-year-old Adrian Peterson. They're supposed to be able to throw the football, and they just have not been able to do so. Last week at halftime, which, of course, they got shut out for the entire game, which is amazing. Uh, Matthew Stafford was five for 11 for 50 yards. I mean, what is going on with this offense? And what I worry about here at the Detroit Lions is at this point, does anybody disagree that Patricia is a lame duck coach? I don't, I just, I'm starting to think he's not any good. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly not good enough to make adjustments, right? When your number one running back Swift is out and two of your top wide receivers, Galladay and Amendola, were out as well. And you've got um, Stafford with the thumb that, frankly, didn't look completely right either. Yeah. He was questionable during the week. Well, if you do the analysis with expected points added and you remove when one team is 90% or better, so junk time's out, garbage time's out, Stafford had the second-worst quarterback performance last week. So not good. And if it's an injury, you got to wonder – I yeah. So in the NBA, when there's two teams that don't care, we tend to bet over. Hmm. I would say this is the lowest motivation game I can remember this year. I could make the case Detroit doesn't care and Houston doesn't care. What do we do? Is there a way to get at that? Is there a way to get exposure? It's not necessarily over because sometimes these teams that aren't motivated seem to be three and out, three and out. How do we... Is there any way to take advantage, you know, bat-wise? I'm thinking about both teams. Might play real loose to the vest, and maybe we play what's, long. What's loose to the vest? Means, ah, you close know. Close to the vest? It's the opposite. Of, yeah, I've never heard loose to uh, the All right, vest. opposite of close to the vest. So if they have a fourth and five, they don't kick field goals, they go for it. Maybe longest field goal we go under, 46 and a half, and a half things or like that. Or think they don't care enough to want to go for it on fourth, and they punt. I don't know. They, I mean, Detroit didn't seem to care last week. 
And we're still talking about Galladay. I mean, their top two receivers hurt. They're, they're, neither one of them is a sure thing to play. They still have to get Swift well, through concussion protocol. He's got Galladay's protocol. name memorized, so he's going to use that. And, and Detroit was plus one in turnovers. When was the last time we saw a team get shut out that was plus on turnovers? That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I what I want to know is why are we thinking about betting a team over who we just said hasn't scored more than 20? Well, that's what I'm saying. I was saying NBA is how you get at those low motivation yeah. teams here. I don't think there is a way, really. No. Yeah, I think we might have spent too much time on it. I will say this. If you look at Deshaun Watson, he's having his best season. Mackenzie, pop up the super sheet on Watson. This is a... Uh, Again, you get you set aside that gauntlet at the beginning, and then we'll get the updated numbers. But his he's been. I heard the guys from Pro Football Focus talking, and they said something fascinating. They said the quarterbacks who are high risk takers tend to be overrated because we remember the long touchdown passes, the thread in the needle but we forget the turnovers and the guys who protect the ball tend to be underrated now deshaun watson has been one of those high flyers lately not so much he's still been making the big plays but he's been avoiding the trouble plays make the green a little bigger there zero interceptions his last five games yeah not turning the football over okay so let's look back here jacksonville QBR 78, then 93 against Tennessee, almost 70 against Green Bay, 67 against Jacksonville the next time, 52 against Cleveland. And that, remember, that was a super win game. So let's take that. for, And then an 86 against New England. And the turnovers, as Matt said, literally zero since Tennessee. So one, two, three, four, five games zero interceptions and he's had nine touchdowns during that time nine touchdowns zero interceptions 11 touchdowns um, last five games 11 and 0 so i'm seeing four six eight eight nine oh then there's two more at the bottom there there you go 11 i, I missed the two at the bottom 11 oh strong strong and again it's not just scoring the touchdowns it's not turning it over and the QBR is good. I mean, this is a all-time. This is his best season. Who's talking about it? No one, because they're three and seven, and the like those first four games, zero and four, and so Houston was out of sight. Do we think of playing over passing yards for Watson? It's a tur it's turf. He's in front of the. Maybe the Thanksgiving actually motivates them because they're on TV. Maybe I, I worry about playing over against Detroit right now because Detroit's playing so bad that if this thing gets out of hand, then nobody tries to throw the ball up 14 or 17. And Okay, so you're saying you're saying Watson, they might just run it out. If, but if we're that sure of that, do we look at Houston? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know that they're going to keep playing for Patricia. Something's really going wrong there. And I, I feel like at this point, you know, and it happens with teams where you get to that lame duck coach point where – Everyone knows a coach is going to be fired, and people don't want to play for him anymore. And I know they're they're four and six, so you know officially they're still in the playoff hunt. But it doesn't feel like it with Detroit. And 
I just don't know. I don't like where this team's at right now, and I feel like he may have lost them. You know, I really like your Watson over because, you know, Duke Johnson's still the running back, the backup running back, so David Johnson's still injured. So when your number one running back's injured, you throw the ball more. And you mentioned at the Cleveland game, you've got a really low data point on Watson pass yards because that game was in a wind tunnel, and that's going to help us get more value playing him over. It might be right. Last thought on this game. How about an alternative spread where we're getting a jumbo payout laying some lumber with Houston? I like that better than the yeah. yards. Yeah, there might be a situation – you know, we get a plus 400 and, 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 you know, obviously having to lay it and they just, you know, I don't, I tell you this, the lines get down 14, 17. I don't see them fighting back. No, they sure didn't last week at all. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. I also like the fact that some of these alternative lines, if we just go six points up, that's a teaser. So anyone that sees, hey, a Houston, or excuse me, a Detroit plus eight and a half, they're going to want to tease that minus 270, saying that's a basic strategy, profitable teaser. So there'll be pressure upwards on that alternative line, betting the basic strategy teaser on the other side. Mm, that's interesting. So you're saying because of the fact that the line is such that the book's going to be exposed on people betting up Detroit, they're going to be inclined to give you a better number, saying they want to attract action of people saying, I'll take Houston minus whatever, extra points? Yes. Huh. That's interesting. Although I don't think there's going to be many two-and-a-halves by Thursday. I see one on the board now. Yeah, this exactly. This only applies if this line was two-and-a-half. As soon yeah. as it goes to three, then it, it's no three everywhere. I've seen a lot of people starting to try to understand teasers, and they seem to not get the difference. They, they're – you hear, like, when the Bill Simmons type, hey, let's tease this three up to nine, they don't have any problem with that. I'm not saying that the pros understand the Wong te- or, yeah, teaser or whatever, advantage teaser, but I think, a, well, I mean, you were behind the counter all that time. Did you say, when a line was three amongst the non-professionals, did you see that slow them down on the teaser? But, a little uh, bit. Okay. All right. Oh, hmm. So Thanksgiving teams that travel 850 miles, eight and nine against the spread. So actually not so bad, but they're on a seven and one ATS streak, the road teams. Wow. Why is that? I know all travel is getting less. Hmm. So I'm not necessarily looking to play the the home team. It's a small sample size. What, seven and one, two years, two and a half years? No, I understand. Yeah. But I just think Thursday does feel different to me. When you've got something that's 40% with some real volume, this at least causes me a little pot. I'm a believer in if the big set of data is right or, or substantial, I don't mind. Let, let me give you an example. You can tell me what you think of this, Matt, and we'll move on. I really think the Rams D is better than people think. And I would, you know, I played the under in the second half, under Tampa team total and against the Rams. And it looks good, right? But a lot of people would say RJ doesn't matter, even though in the third quarter, now there's seven games after last in the Monday game, in which there's only been three points total scored against the Rams. My thinking is if I generally trust my Rams data, and there's a subset of it that's statistically not significant, I still want to err towards that because there's two possibilities. That's third quarter is more so for a reason or it's not. If it is for a reason, I got an edge over betting at any other time. But if it's not, I still got the big set that I trust. 
So here, if I'm saying that, hey, I trust the big set, but you know, this tells me maybe this subset isn't as valid. You know, I think I'm being conservative, not trusting it there. But if, if you flipped it, if this was like 14 and two, I think it's smart to play on the 14 and two because the worst case, it's just part of the big set, which is okay anyway. A lot of people would say, oh, that's foolish. I think it's a free roll. What do you think? Not quite a free roll, but obviously it's beneficial because some percentage it, of the time you get a more advantageous situation. Yes, and that's and I guess what I'm saying a free roll is it's it's potentially better than the whole set, but it's it can't be worse. But it's not going to be worse. Yeah. So all right. So I'm saying I'm not doing anything on this. Mackenzie, do me one more research as we keep moving here. Sure. Is in the first Detroit always plays the first game, right? Yes. I want to see the first quarter result. Of that game, is there an does the do the Lions have an edge in the first quarter? It's an early start, right? Twelve thirty, typically. I believe so. Yeah. How far right. back should we go? Uh, look at a ten years. Alrighty. What do you think, Matt? You think there's anything there? Not anything that I think about. So I don't know. Steve, in the Detroit game, do you have any closing thoughts? I had a lean on Detroit, and it is a very weak lean. It was all based upon the travel for Houston, and based upon what we discussed, I really have nothing. All right. A lot of words for that. Matty. Slightly in Houston. I feel like uh, Patricia's lame duck. Too many injuries on the Detroit side. They just got shut out the last game, and we just made a big case of how well Deshaun Watson's playing despite them only being 3-7. and seven. Yeah, I have a little lean towards Watson over passing yards, but I kind of like this alternative line a little bit. So, all right, game number two, Steve Fezzik. Game number two, Dallas is home laying three against Washington, total 46. All right, let's talk NFC East. Is there a number right now on the over-under win total for the teams in the East? I did not see one. Did you check today? I did not. So how would you have seen it? <laughs> it's Fred here. It, it uh, hasn't been up this early in the week before, but I'll check it now. Yeah. So I wonder if the – I mean, Matt, if you were just booking this, no real perspective – what do you put the what would you put the win total at for the winner of the NFC East? Six and a half over minus twenty-five. Wow. I think six I'd go and a half under. under minus twenty-five. <laughs> I still think it's six and a half. What do you think, Steve? I think six and a half is a good number because there's still enough games that these teams are playing against each yeah. other, right? That someone's gonna get, you know, hot and go two and zero against their divisional opponents. Some, they said there was a scenario. And I don't think it's happened now. It's just in the last week, maybe, in which the winner could have four wins. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was going to be Philly with four wins, and and they all would have four wins. I think it's some crate, and he, the tie would be the thing. Mm. I don't know. Now, who right now? Who's the best? Let's start there. In your power ratings, who's the best team in the NFC East? All right, let me take a look at my numbers. Philly. Philly is the best team, then the Giants, then Dallas, then Washington. Okay. So at what point are we going to say Philly isn't the best? I mean, you had gigantic bets on Philly. You, you've had Philly, what, seven of the last six weeks? Feels that way, yeah. And I'm, I'm asking a question. How much have you been betting Philly? I don't know how many times I've been on Philly. Last week? Last week, yes. Week against before? Cleveland. Yep, against the Giants. 
So you understand I wasn't asking for like seven of the last eight. I'm saying you've been betting Philly a lot, haven't you? Steve? Big bets a lot. You know what I'm going to do? I'll make it where I'm so explicit. Like I'm talking to someone that's, you know, real slow. Steve, you bet Philly a lot. What's going on? What, what you're thinking about? It seems like you're losing a lot at it. I am losing a lot. Lost we know, with, we know. Lost with Philly the last two weeks, and Carson Wentz, his quarterback play has just been so poor. Oh, now, was it poor before last week? Yes. So you still bet it. Why? I expected that when, with getting their skill position players back that Philly was going to improve. We're getting their running back, Miles Sanders, getting uh, their tight end back. I heard his yards per carry is really good, isn't it? Yes, it is. Maddie uncovered that one. Mm-hmm. You, yes. been, you said it like nine times the last week or two. You yes. didn't attribute him. That's interesting. I didn't remember it was him. <laughs> but go ahead. Anything else? So Carson what Wentz, have you figured out? You oh, learn anything? 0 for 9, third down conversion against the Giants in the second to last game. And the last game, he was just, uh, I believe, two conversions out of 11. Just her- atrocious. Do you okay. think we're going to see Jalen Hurts play even if Carson Wentz is healthy? Everybody seems to think it's ludicrous that he's not. I, that's what I'm hearing. Yet the coach is kind of saying hey we're not going to do that which to me tells me Hertz isn't ready I mean that was a know. that was yeah. a reach pick no no uh draft nig like that pick they think he was a third round or a fourth round but are you trying to win your division or not do you care at this point you know what's interesting if you win the division you end up jumping like 15 uh not jumping, but the reverse pick slots. Yes. Because you're going to be, like, mm-hmm. let's say there's 14, you're going to pick 14, you know, at best. Well, if your record might be, they'd be picking like eight or something. So the question is, is there motivation for a Philly team that's been there? Meaning if you're the Giants, you want you got a new coach, you want to bust through. Dallas, maybe you want to redeem yourself. Isn't Philly the team that probably cares the least about winning a token division title when you know that you well, can't. Well, don't the other three teams in the division all have new coaches, right? Joe Judge with the Giants, Ron Rivera with yeah. the Washington football team, and a new coach for the Cowboys. So I think they're all motivated. Philly, you got to wonder, do they say, hey, we won last year's division in a way we shouldn't? Let's say they they weren't really competitive to win the Super Bowl. Do they really need that again in their minds, or are they saying, let's just get this thing up? I think by far – Philly has the most rationale not to be motivated. As you watch your winners, or I'm sorry, you're losing tickets on Philly again and again, do you think the motivation's an issue? Do they seem to be playing hard? No. Now, was that, and then you thought, but was it last week when they had guys coming back before this most recent week? They didn't play the, hard there. The last two weeks. But why would you like them the next week? I thought me. I thought there would be that first week. I said, you know what? Once 0 for nine on the third downs, but there's an acclimation period. He's got his but that guys back. Question motivation, yeah. would it? No. Like if if anything, you'd perk up when you had your guys back the yeah. first game. And you're saying you you don't think they're playing hard. It looks no, and it looks like the offense has this like they're shaking their their helmets like who is this quarterback we have like they they've lost faith in Wentz. That's why I think they have to make the change because the team's lost faith. I mean, he has 14 interceptions. He's going to end up with more interceptions than touchdowns for a guy who was an MVP candidate a couple of years ago. I think if they want to win the division and you want morale to get better, you probably have to make a move to Hurts. I Whether would, he's better or not. Yeah, I would downgrade them with her. Sure. You're supposed to. 
I mean, Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate a couple of years ago. Yeah, at some point, we're going to get sick of saying that. Sure, but. Maybe he's, who knows? Maybe that was, listen, Frank Reich was there, third yep. down wizard. Since then, really, what has Carson Wentz done? Nothing, and, and Indy looks great. So maybe uh, on offense, their offensive numbers are a lot better. So maybe Frank Reich was a big part of it, but. You know, and may, so maybe Jalen Hurts will, will suffer just the same. But just for morale at some point, you just have to make Can't do it on a short week. No, no, it won't be this week. So if anything. Well, they're not playing a short week this week. They're not playing Thursday. It's Dallas. Oh, I, I'm sorry. We were off on yeah. that. Who's going who's gonna to win the All right, division? So let's do this. Let's bring it back to the Dallas. I do think the whole Philly motivation is interesting. And part of me thinks. If you think that they should make the or that the team would like the change, the fact that they're not means that maybe is what's driving some of this lack of. Yeah, but usually you always hear the team knows how good the backup is from the way he plays in camp, maybe or uh, in practice. Maybe Hertz looks good, and they're thinking maybe he should be in. Because I I tell you this: if you wait the whole year to get your skill guys back and you don't play hard, something's wrong. Yeah. And their skill guys are back, so there's no. It's been, I mean, it's anymore. been two weeks. Yeah. Yep. So, what's your take on the game? So I lean Washington. Amazingly, the football team of Washington has won the yardage the last five games, and that's pretty impressive for a team that everyone said was going nowhere. And the trend line on Alex Smith has definitely been up, 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 and. Because of that, I think Washington's a little undervalued because we all felt like, hey, Alex Smith, nice little, nice little story, but he can't play quarterback anymore. Maybe he can. Yeah, I think it's more than a nice little story. The guy almost lost his leg. <laughs> Is that what you would call the guy? Like, Did you watch that ESPN 360 It was thing? too gruesome. I turned it off. But the, So you watched it, and you couldn't deal with even the visual on it. Yes. But somehow he's back on the NFL field. And he's, let's be candid, where would you rank him right now, 1 to 32? I have Alex Smith 28th, but only one and a half points worse than an average quarterback. So the guy, I mean, in theory, by the end of the year, he's an average quarterback. Yes. If he keeps trending the way he's going, I absolutely. Think it's more than the way, I, first of all, he keeps trending the way he's going, he'd be a top 10 quarterback. If he just gets one increment better. Yes. If he keeps trending the way he's going, he's going to have four touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Well, is that the but so you're saying you you don't th you think he's the worst quarterback in the NFL as a starter? No, but I don't know. Like he he had a he had a QBR of 34 last game against the Bengals. Okay. That's not exactly a resurgent D here. He threw three interceptions against the Giants. That's not exactly a whirlwind D. He had, but let's think. So about what are we going to say? You. He's trending up because he threw for 300 and whatever, 75 yards against the crappy Detroit yeah. Lions. I, well, I didn't know Mr. Line was so down on the lines that the stats don't count against Everything the about the Lions right now is bad. <laughs> but, what I, but what I'm saying is the fact that this guy. Best bet odds of the Lions getting shut out for a second straight game. <laughs> what I'll say is this. I need to take culpability I, you know, I don't want to name names, but unlike some people on this pod, I'll take culpability. And I thought that Alex Smith was clearly the worst quarterback in the NFL. He's not. I would rather have him than Finley for sure. 
In fact, anyone wants to go ahead. I not- agree with that. He's not the worst quarter. And I also thought when he first came in, wow, does this guy look bad. Oh, my God. I was scared. Yeah. For him. Yes. I mean, it so, was that bad. And I'm not saying there's still not reason to be scared. But listen, everyone thinks of this stuff differently. I mean, like again, when Fez was watching that Alex Smith show. <laughs> I mean that that we take this response that was a little troubling, but I personally think the guy's heroic. And I tell you this, he's gonna win the comeback player of the year. What's the odds on that, Mackenzie? You got that? They might take that off the board because it's done decided. Minus two hundred last week. I haven't seen if they put it back up. Let me check. Yeah, we might want to check these odds at some point. Just you know, I don't know. It is a, everything's a day early, so maybe a day early do it. Are you guys having long lunches, you two? Like hanging out, watching the girls go by? No? No comment. You you might be? (laughs) It seems that way. All right. Ooh, now this is interesting. Detroit first quarter in Thanksgiving. Five times they've won the first quarter. Two times they lost. Three times it was a tie. So the estimate would be based on, huh, Maddie Holt, seven and three. I think that's statistically significant. <laughs> I'm joking. No, but still, that, I tell you this, if I like Detroit, I'd be looking to play them in the first quarter. And we like Detroit early in games anyways. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, you're right, because the second, they've been plus four in the first half. And, oh, I'm sorry. They've been even in the first half, minus four in the second. Yes. And I got that comeback. Oh, go ahead. Alex Smith is minus 650. Yeah. I still might lay that. If I, well, I guess it's hard. When, how does he not win? He gets hurt, and they give it to Big Ben because the Steelers go 15-1. and one. If he gets hurt, they might be even more likely to give it to him because of the sympathy. And just think, if he lost his leg, even more likely, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Matt, what's your final thoughts on this Washington game? I got a, lean, a slight lean toward the Cowboys, actually. I kind of agree with you. Yeah, and you talk about motivation for a coach. I mean, it was embarrassing for Dallas for a while. I mean, they were talking, like, humiliating results. And I thought Andy Dalton played well last week. Came in, put up a, a QBR of over 80. And maybe that's what they needed mm-hmm. is a little bit of – I mean, let's face it, their defense has been a massive disappointment all year. It certainly couldn't have played any worse than it did for a five- or six-week period. Um, but their offense, this was an offense that was really good last year that was supposed to be really good. And and I think sometimes we forget because Dalton didn't look good right out of the gate. But they went through a couple weeks there where they, I mean, they had, you know, Dominic DiNucci and whoever, you know, whatever guy they, they got from the hot dog stand off the – having Dalton back I think brought a little bit of stability and – uh, you know, at home on Thanksgiving, three against the Washington. Because at the end of the day, don't we all agree that in the power ratings, Dallas is at least a point better than Washington? Oh, no, apparently not. <clears throat> Steve said that you got Dallas uh, last, right? I got Dallas half a point better than Washington. Oh, and you got Washington last and Dallas is third? Yes. So at least if nothing else, we add in, I mean, you have to give home field on Thanksgiving in Cowboys Stadium at least a point and a half. So... I think they're a little more than that. So but two and a halves are out there, huh? On yeah. Dallas? Yeah, there's some. Circus two and a half, 20. I'm sorry, I'm in the pod. He's ripping people's odds off. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Minus two no, I'm just minus like 20. ripping people's lines oh. out, right? I don't mean to rip everyone, what every book has. But, yeah, there's a lot of two and a half 20s. Yeah. yeah. And minus three plus 105 is much better. Minus three plus 105 is 15 cents for... Uh, for 25, oh, 25 cents. I'm sorry, it's 15 cents, and then there's the lay price on two and a half. So you're saying 20. Okay. Yeah. So two and a half flat, minus 110 is better. But two and a half minus 20, you're saying you'd rather have the plus one. I agree with that. I think this Dallas team with a healthy Dalton when what their offense can be is more like two and a half points better. I, I have a slight lean toward Dallas here. I agree. And I also think the following, if you actually look at the stats, the, the O-line for Dallas is playing better. Yep. So, and I'm no expert but uh, on line play. But Zach Martin, they've, I think they've moved to the right tackle. And it just feels like it solidified that line. And it's like anything else. Something in the NFL, the difference between replacement players and starters, if the starters aren't super good, usually really narrows over time. It, some of it's talent, but some of it is they just haven't had a chance. Repetitions. Yeah. yeah. And in general, it feels like this Dallas line isn't what we thought it would be, but it's much better than it was against, let's say, Arizona a yeah. month ago. And we saw that in the rushing game. You know, Zeke has looked a step slow all year long now. I don't know if he, if the bye week did him good or whether the line's playing better, but he went for 100 last week. And the backup, Tony Pollard. First time this year. And, and, the, back, sorry, and the backup, Tony Pollard, went for over six yards per carry, and his um, explosiveness is really, really good, and he's a better pass catcher than Zeke. So two good, really good running backs for Dallas now. So, so far this week, I like Dallas the best on the Thursday games. Now, Matt, you are are you still alive in the – uh, uh, Survivor. No. Oh, what was your loser? We got knocked out way back on oh, the I Patriots. Oh, I thought you were still in it. Yeah, okay. we were in it for a while, and um, we took a team vote one week when we had a split, and they wanted to take the Patriots over Denver. I tell you this, I was so excited. Ugh. The week you, you know, again, you had family stuff and all that, but the week that you didn't send the stuff, we went 4-0-1. I'm like, oh, this is great. Maddie didn't send it. And then last week, we, I you know, shit to bed, and, and I'm like, God darn it! I was, it would have been great if we were like eight and eight, one and one or something during the run. Um, <laughs> the uh, my sense is the Survivor next year is going to be the biggest shocking. Like it's going to be shocking how many people are involved. Yeah, I loved it. I had a no, lot I'm more fun everyone, playing it. I yeah. mean, everyone that was involved, it seemed like was saying like, oh. Screw the five picks away. I don't want to do it anymore. I just want to do Survivor. Why is that? I don't know. It was so much. I was so much more engaged, and I'm not doing it with any partners. Well, yeah, yeah. Because I, 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 the week we went out, and nothing against my partners. I love them, and I don't care but that we're out. It. What you said before we recording, you're saying you're taking that back. Okay. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't have gone out that week, and I was so into it at the beginning. I just really like it. I like the meta bet strat, the meta game behind it. I I think it's a lot more fun. You know what's funny? I think part of the phenomenon is that you are uh, favored always until you lose. So like when it's happening, you're never like you're going to be down one time when you lose, and you're going to be. But I made it through week eleven. Which maybe a, like really, if all you did was randomly, just, not randomly, but take the biggest favorite of the week, and you weren't thinking about this or that, chances are you're gonna get through a lot of weeks. So it, it lends itself to people feeling like they are winning when, in truth, they're really not doing anything special. Now that is a great observation. Yeah. It's almost like 
have an ace king against ace queen every hand, right? Except that 40% of the entire 1,300 people went out in week one this year. And I'm guessing they aren't the ones saying how much they love it. Probably not. I believe every week has had at least one contestant fail to submit their pick. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Well, we almost didn't get our picks in when we were had a chance to win the whole thing. I was day. in my pajamas. No, you did a good job. I'm just saying. Yes. The guy slept in. Don't sleep. He got there. I told him, I thought, I go, you know, I'd have to fire you if you didn't get that in. And I would, I, that's not what I wanted to do. But we would have been idiots. Hey, uh, guys, we forgot to submit our picks. <laughs> All right, lads. Oh, the thing about Circa, and let's give them credit. They, they, they are, they're gamblers there. They enjoy gambling. Um, Thanksgiving is its own week, meaning that they got yes. three games. And, and maybe only two. By the time oh, Thursday comes around. I, I don't know. I don't think. I will say this. We were saving Pittsburgh and Baltimore all year intentionally. I never used either one of them. because, And we were saving Kansas City with the idea of using them after Thanksgiving. You know, when we when the thing was drastically narrowed. Wouldn't it be a bummer for even if teams like mine, if we were still in, you lose that game. Because mm. I would have used Dallas. I would have used uh, Houston. But, but the thing is. You were saving Pittsburgh and Ravens, but you knew that there wouldn't be a big spread on it. So what made you – like, I would have thought the Texans – I would. Well, I first mean, of all, we're trying to save good teams anyway. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and remember, you yeah. got you, – you, Oh, you, so not even necessarily to play on Thanksgiving. Yeah, we want good teams, but also we figured what, something could happen to one of them. And You have to play on Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's a to. double week in Circa. So th Thanksgiving week – I know. We just said that Well, right so this is the this it. is the biggest – Project right spread before, right the whole time. I yeah, mean, but I'm saying there's no way you could have projected that. Oh, not back in week four or five. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Take our grandfather's. Day. And literally in week three, it was Baltimore three. This game, they had these games up. You know when you're talking, he can't hear me right now. You know when you're talking <laughs> to someone that's really older and like you're you like them, right? And it's like, oh no no, grandpa, the VCR is this is called a DVR. You know that? <laughs> it's like this now. It's like we've been talking. This is a standalone week, and he, his face perked up. He goes, you know what? It's, it's a standalone, standalone week. week. <laughs> he literally said it right after we said it twice. Yeah. I know. I, I, um, I've been trying to pick Steve up today. <laughs> but that one was a doozy. <laughs> literally right after he said, this is a standalone week. He goes, you know what? It's a standalone week. You know, I'm not sure about this. But <laughs> you know, that almost made me feel better. Oh, I don't goodness. know why. You know, Hollywood, I think what we should do, and I mean literally for the next pod, Let's put Steve in headphones. Okay. All, all joking aside, because these headphones are really good headphones, and it might help him. Okay. And he's got, he's got jet black. His hair is the same color as these headphones, so they'll, they'll blend right in. <laughs> all right, last game. Oh, oh you guys. Well, I got one last mention. I, no, I think thanks, it's Thanksgiving this Thursday. Y yes. Right. Washington was not outplaying the Bengals until Burrow got hurt. I've got numbers here. Go ahead. So Washington outscored the Bengals 199 to 17. The rest of the way after Burrow got hurt, outscored them, out wow. yardage them. Okay. Prior to that, Washington had been outgained 250 to 125. So maybe Washington overvalued based upon that second half without Burrow. Yeah, that's fair. Though, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess on one hand you could say since he, well, they had just been beat by Pittsburgh pretty bad. Boy, well, no Burrow, no Mixon. They're starting to run out of players. I tell you this. And we'll get to it, but the Cincy coach after that game did not sound like – I mean, I, honestly, 
If he was running the chicken stand down the street, I don't think I'd order from it. I mean, it's like he really he was like, yeah, you know, we got Finley. Um, yeah, you know, it was like either like admit. It's like, I hate though. I'm always excited, you know. Admit, it, listen, this stuff. He's just so worried about his job, though. I guess yeah. because in a way, he's the guy got him hurt. Well, they say he might not ever be the same. I mean, when you when you start going into multiple knee injuries like that. You know, ACL, MCL. I mean, that's the kind of like, you know, I don't know exactly what RG, but there's certain knee injuries, it's just, it's hard to come back from. That's a, I mean, it's a little early for him to get that hurt. Here's the question, though the Bengals weren't winning anything. Nothing. Meaning they weren't going to win a division. Why throw so much? Why throw so much that the other team knows you're throwing that much? Even if you lose, get, let the guy play a game manager, you know, play action. And at least then, it's, it's, again, selfishness about that job. That's why I don't think you can have a short time or do anything because they don't, their interests are not aligned with yours. Exactly. His job's on the line, so he was doing everything he could to, 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 to win each and every game. Which is, But in theory, that's what you're supposed to do, except that that causes a long-term risk to your quarterback, who is your franchise. Who else do they have on that team that matters? And, I mean, they say it might be he won't even be ready for training camp. Probably won't be. Yeah. Nine to 12 months. Yeah. So it might be like the whole next year, effectively. Might be. And for what? I don't understand. I'm not saying don't play him. I'm saying don't throw the ball 50 times a game because then the team, it's almost like you're behind. It's like when a team pins their ears back and rushes you, it's tough. All right, Pittsburgh, Ravens, Steelers at home. Favored by five. Now, we got some tape of Fez talking about the Ravens. It's, uh, it's a little back a little bit. Have you heard this one, Matty Holt? Uh, I don't know. Him on the Ravens? All right, one second. <laughs> of all the time I've ever done power ratings, I think the Baltimore and Kansas City, the distance between one and two is unmatched. I've never seen anything like it. Just think. Steve, what, what's changed? Baltimore has massively underachieved expectations, and then they got injured, making but, but them even worse. maybe the expectations were incorrect. Well, yeah. I mean, their season win number was 11 and a half. But you knew that coming in, right? I mean, you were making an assessment. When you said you had the Ravens higher than the average – Creator of power ratings. True or false? True. Okay. So now they are much worse. You need to answer for that. You need to explain what happened. Lamar Jackson regressed and they. I'm saying why you were wrong. I don't need you to explain how they lost. Yes, they played poorly. I over. They got, they, other teams scored more points. I, I overvalued it. Lamar Jackson and. The, now, you undervalued him coming in last year, right? You yeah, I had him the number 29 quarterback. Mm -hmm. And. Oh and you said, wait, I was wrong, so now i got to go overboard the other way, and I'll be wrong again. Yeah, I had him MVP. I had him the number three coming into this year. Currently, I have him number 14. Okay. But, I mean, what are you going to do to prevent? I mean, it just seemed like a real wrong thing. And, and the funny thing was you found the only time the whole year that they seemed to play well almost when you had them against the Bengals. Well, you actually had the Bengals. So it, it just feels like you've been – are you going to swear off betting the Ravens either on or off? Because did you win any games with the Ravens? I'll have to go back and see. 
Yes, I won with t- I won at betting against them last week. I had the Titans. Oh, you had the Titans last week. Yes. All right. All right. So now, so now you're boomerang back. So where, I, I have. Where do you have the Ravens ranked right now? Number eight. Only two and a half points better than an average team. Matt, this is a big surprise, I think, with the Ravens. Even if you had a normal ranking on them, what do you see as the cause of their performance? Well, I think some of it is early in the year. First of all, they, they didn't play the toughest schedule. But what, what everybody always said is, look, a running team, a running predicated team that schemes really well plays really good in front. But what happens when they have to play from behind? And this was a situation where when they had to play from behind and teams knew that Lamar Jackson was going to throw, he was terrible. He wasn't just bad. He was terrible. So now teams are scheming. You know, they're figuring out his limitations better and better. These coaches watch so much film and they do so much game planning that they're just being able to scheme him into having to throw the football and knowing that it's not just not his strength, but that he's not even an average quarterback having to throw the football. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we can't forget the guy was drafted number 32, even though he had one of the best, if not best, college careers ever. I remember Dave Malinsky said that he felt like that Lamar Jackson was the best college quarterback he had ever seen. His performance on the field was unmatched. I don't know if I agree with that, but he was right up there. And even the Ravens said, no, thank you. They had a pick in the 20s, and they traded back. And who knows who would have traded up to get him. Now, give him credit. Once they picked him, they created an environment for him to excel. But it feels like it's over. It feels like it's like the Wildcat where it worked and now it doesn't. And what I was concerned about, and the reason I like Tennessee a little bit was, and I didn't, it wasn't a big pick for me, but the rationale was this, is Tennessee did really well schematically against them in the playoffs. Belichick, from what Mike Lombardi was saying, used the same kind of scheme and he stopped them. So now I'm thinking, well, Tennessee was right. Whatever adjustments Harbaugh made, Belichick accounted for that. Now Vrabel gets to watch Belichick I always like playing against the team that played the Patriots the last week, especially if the Patriots do well, because that that's in a way you got the genius saying, here's the way to play D against these guys. Look at the Rams. The Rams took them a year to recover from Belichick game scheming in the Super Bowl against them. So I don't. And another thing, the Steelers are familiar. I mean, think of how familiar, not only multiple times now with Lamar, but just not that long ago. Yeah. Big advantage, I think, for Pittsburgh. Because the trickery of all that, it's not the case with the steel. If other teams are calling out the play, isn't Pittsburgh going to be one of the main ones? And no Dobbins or Ingram. So now the run game. Now you might say, well, that makes Lamar throw more, but that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing for him. And remember, the O line is has taken a big step back, losing two guys. Their best a pass blocking tight end, Nick Boyle, is out as well. And all they got is Gus Edwards now in the in the backfield. I, I actually think Pittsburgh, even though they won the game, is upset by the fact that they got outstatted in that game. And so normally when you how, see How would it, you know that? I don't know that. Okay. So but I know when they go back to the film, they can say, look, guys, you got outplayed in this game. I know you won. So it would be a lot easier, I think, for you know Pittsburgh to look at things that they can correct and do better in uh, this game against a really a decimated Baltimore team. I like Pittsburgh. <laughs> I like the Ravens laying four to the Steelers. Steve, we had more tape there. 
That was another game you had the Ravens, remember? Yes, and you asked me after I lost that game. You said, Fez, you're going to lose on the Ravens again against Pittsburgh when they play? And I think I gave you a wishy-washy answer then. So who you got? I got Pittsburgh. Really? Boomerang. So you got them as a like? I do. What's the rationale? The rationale is just I think there's too many pieces missing on that offense for um, a quarterback. That offense wasn't doing all that well when they had the Exactly. And now, now you got the cluster injuries on the O line, cluster injuries at the running back, distractions with COVID. You've got that short. I think it's more than distractions. You got the short week where you got the the older quarterback at home against the younger quarterback trend that McKenzie, you know, researched that would favor Pittsburgh as well. A whole lot's pointing Pittsburgh. What do you think, Matty? Yeah, I like Pittsburgh. I mean, as soon as you take Dobbins and Ingram out of this, I think you're just you're forcing him to throw even more, and that we know that that's not a strength of the team. And I think everyone's missing on the fact too, or I don't want to say everyone's missing, but no one's really talking about the loss of Brandon Williams, their big defensive tackle this week, who's also out with COVID. Who that's you know you need to be able to stop the run against Pittsburgh in order to make Big Ben throw too. And now Brandon Williams is out. It just hampers this Baltimore team more. This Everything points toward the Steelers. So you could make the case this line is pretty much flipped that Baltimore, even though the Steelers were undefeated when they played the first time as they are now, what was the line, Fez? It was what? Almost four, right? Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. You laid that. Yes. Now it's only five. So it's like this feels cheap to me. Why is it so cheap? Is this people aren't, uh, they see the Ravens are losing, but they think these, this is a very close series. What do you think? I think if you look back at the numbers, and I don't have them right in front of me, you'll find that Baltimore was a three-and-a-half-point favorite earlier in the year in this game. So this line. Oh, okay. I can pull that up. Yeah, so I think that this line has moved eight-and-a-half points over the last, like, five weeks. That feels like a pretty good move. All right, so the line in the summer was pick them in this game. And uh, now, I don't think there would have been a point that surged up beyond that much, right? No, uh, but I thought Baltimore was favored when we talked about this game. It might have been one, but. I mean, if they were four in it, yeah, maybe it was just one. So it's moved four points. Yeah, now this line opened up, but the look ahead was two and a half. So even after the Baltimore lost to New England, so the Tennessee lost one. Oh, I guess the COVID, right? That's COVID, what's driving yeah. this move. Yeah. How many points? So what would this line be if it wasn't for COVID? If it was just your power ratings, Faz, what would your line be? Ravens favored by how much? One second. <laughs> so I got Baltimore three. I have the team's three and a half points difference, but I adjusted one and a half. I just I'm, not, I'm asking without COVID. Two and a half difference between the teams, one for home field, three and a half. So you're adjusting a point and a half for COVID. I just did one for COVID. What would you adjust for COVID? One seems fair. Seems light. Hmm. Well, five of the ten are personnel and not actually players. And I'm not sure how do you put it. I don't know how to, in my mind, or at least I don't know. I'm sure there's people a lot better than me. I don't know how to put a value to personnel. Does that mean it's the equipment manager and the players are going to be less, you know, I, I don't know what that means. But, uh, the, I mean, three of the five players are really important. Dobbins, Ingram, and Brandon Williams. Mackenzie, what's our updated numbers on teams affected by COVID, understanding that there's some subjectivity? Yeah, so they were 2-0 and yes, last week with the Browns and the Steelers. So and, these are teams affected. Yeah, and that okay. brings us to 6-8 and eight 
ATS if we take out that Titans game because we thought it affected both teams. Yeah, so we're getting borderline now 50-50 on these. The adjustment seems right. All right. So it seems like we triple like Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yes. All right, last thing. This is a freebie, guys. College basketball. There's a $300 contest. And this is cash money. Contest starts November 25th with the college basketball tip-off and will run through the conference tournaments. It's a net profit assessed side and total. You use live lines and 100 picks. So you get to have fun, see, and track your results. And entries are open now. Cutoff is December 12th, but you might as well have more days to make your 100 picks. Giving away cash, just go to pregame.com, click contests, 300. And we're going to have more contests. You might as well get engaged with the contest platform because they're all free. Never cost you a dollar. I mean, if you and if you lose on feds like in the Ravens in a given week, you just have to deal with it. It's free. Pregame.com contest. Now, Matty Holt, you're too good for this contest. I don't, I don't want to see you in there. I won't be in it. Like with, yeah, I won't like, be doing it. All of a sudden, it's like 10 minutes later, it's like, uh, this uh, the the leading score is out. Well, why did Matty Holt play it ten minutes? It's like none of that, buddy. All right, listen. This part is another reason why you need to subscribe. Why? Because you didn't know we were gonna do this. We did it out of the generosity of our hearts, and I wanted to get Fez warmed up. Uh, I don't think it's working. But how you feeling a little better, Fez? You ever think of eating fish? I had my fish oil. I had my vitamins. But I'm saying eat fish. Because it's not the pills aren't always the answer. I mean, I like it, but it's like it should augment your healthy. Eat. Have you been working out? No. No? Your calf all right? You feel like you're in constant pain? Calf strained, gym's closed. Yeah. And are you, um? would you say that your dependency on Oxycontin and such, how would you rate that at this point? I mean, you were taking pain pills, weren't you? I don't know what Oxycontin is. <laughs> is that a material in my shirt? You've never heard of Oxycontin? Never. It's like super strong pain med. But it's like like every you can't watch the news without something where the you know the opioid rampage runs through Tennessee oxycotton. No? no. I remember there was a bunch of deaths when I was in college from it. Oxy? Yeah. Well that Rush I think that's what I think that's what Rush Limbaugh was involved in. Oh really? Yeah. They call it hillbilly heroin. Yeah. Well, it's the same as heroin, right? It's an opioid. Yeah. yeah. The thing is is in a weird way most of the people, a lot of the people that get hooked on ultimately heroin start with the pills. And what happens is if you try to buy the pills on the street, they're just too expensive. So it's like people are like, well, you, here's this other stuff. There was a movie, 30 seconds, Bella Thorne. You ever see Bella Thorne around? Yeah. She's like a, you know, she, uh, she's the one that went on one of those uh, Just Fans, I think it was, but she's a famous actress she was a former Disney star with the tongue ring and the, you know, the halter tops and such. And she made like $2 million in one day. Cause she was putting out new pictures. I think it was of herself on this only fans, which is a way for people to get people the kind of uh Patreon's another one where people kind of support people or their artists, or there might be nudity. And it's like, it's like 10 bucks a month to be a fan. So it's like a way to kind of like give a little donation to the people you like. But there's a lot of uh, sex workers that get involved in it. So Bella Thorne shows up and says, I'm going to throw up some nude pics. And she made like $2 million bucks in one day. And everyone was mad because they're like, she's taking all our attention. Like all the real, you know, hardcore ones. But anyway, she was in a movie that's one of the greatest camp movies ever. 
she played a high school, you know, she was like 20 or whatever, 18. She played a high school girl who was a dancer, like, but a legit, you know. And then she hurts her leg and she starts taking Oxycontin. And then it's like, oh, these Oxys make me feel good, you know, that kind of thing. And then finally, they're like, uh, 50 bucks for the pills. She's like, I don't have that money. They go, well, you want to try this? And they're like, okay. And she starts smoking heroin and then she became addicted. And it was a tumultuous ride. But I enjoyed it. All right. Camp heroin. <laughs> but let's be honest. There is something kind of intriguing about like a good, you know, uh, cheerleader type in a movie in which they go on the other side of the tracks. You, you see what I'm saying? Sure. I, I just, I watch less movies. I'm, I'm the least movie buff in this building. Yeah, but you, you hear what I'm saying, right? Sure. You see that movie, Steve? No. And what was that? You saw the movie in which uh, there was some girl that got dropped off in the ghetto. <laughs> oh, my gosh, and I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, she's like a newscaster. It was so funny. He was like, we. He just brought this movie up, and it's like it's some shameless or something. I don't know. But but somehow she got dropped in like Compton. Walk of shame. And she was like walking around just and just getting picked. Yeah, you know, it was like a little like a like a little like a bunny rabbit hopping through the <laughs> the streets. And he was so fascinated by it. Really opened some eyes up. Hey.